Mega Calling, a bi-monthly podcast with sound-rich reports from our correspondents on the continent. African voices reporting on African stories produced by Radio France International. Hello and welcome to Africa Calling podcast. I'm Laura Angela Bagnetto. In our new format, we're coming at you every two weeks with sound-rich stories from our correspondents across the continent. This week, we're celebrating International Women's Day by bringing you reports from African female journalists in Gambia, Ghana, Democratic Republic of Congo, and Cameroon. They're taking a special look into health issues affecting women and women breaking into previously male-dominated fields, including sports and politics. And last but not least, a group of women who were tired of abuse on the job and decided to create their own safe space and production company. We have that and more this week on Africa Calling. Africa Calling. In the Democratic Republic of Congo, women in football, or soccer as it's also known, were few and far between, especially on the African continent. But that's all changing now, thanks to a push by FIFA, the International Soccer Association, and the Confederation of African Football, who are calling for clubs to create women's teams. Tupuisson Mazembe, one of the biggest football clubs in Africa, located in Lubumbashi, has created a women's club. Magui Safi, their new coach, is a woman making a difference in the football world. But it hasn't been an easy journey. Correspondent Gabrielle Nina Mitch has more from Lubumbashi. Players from Tipe Mazembe are practicing on the field ahead of the next game. On the sidelines is their coach, Maggie Safi, the Democratic Republic of Congo's first female coach. Although the sport is now her profession, she didn't start with a soccer ball. The three-time champion in the 100-meter race who competed at the world level in South Korea in 2011, she says she eventually set her sight on the soccer pitch. One day I decided to join DCMP Bakira. It's a woman's football team with coach Pablo. Then I wanted to study physical education and sports management at university. And there I really got into soccer. Soccer is a passion for me. On a small dust field, Maggie gives instructions to her players who play soccer as the curious look on. Patience Missinga Kasungu, captain of Mazembe, says she feels better being trained by a woman than by a man. There's not really a difference between a man and a woman coach, but a woman understands us better than men, because a man would want us to practice only one exercise, like the male players. The road to her new position was not an easy one, especially as a woman in the DRC. Her parents pushed for her to have a profession, so Safi combined sport and studies until she got her degree in physical education and sport management. My mother was very happy. She told me that if you want to succeed in your career, you have to finish your studies. She wanted me to be a professional in whatever I wanted to do. I always remind myself that my parents helped me a lot. Despite knocking on soccer club doors with a bachelor's degree in her pocket, she repeatedly encountered misogyny and discrimination as she applied for coaching positions. It was a bit difficult for me. People couldn't accept me. 
I liked my career, so it really hurt me when I applied to coach a team and I was told that they needed a man, whereas I had a degree in physical education. She still remembers the pressure she had from her community. Most of the people would tell her to stop playing soccer and conform to societal norms as a woman. A lot of people say that women who do sports are lesbians, even whores. My parents educated me from a very young age. It's not because I'm on a team that I'm a lesbian. At times, this name-calling hurts me. In my neighborhood, people called me the lesbian coach, but no, we're women. The sport we do, well, it's a profession. I chose sport. Sport, it's my profession, it's my career, and I'm proud to be called a sportswoman. But I'm like all other women. But the perception of women in sport is changing. In the past, parents would rarely let their daughters play soccer because it was considered a men's sport. Men's opinions on the subject are still divided today. Arthur Kikuni, secretary of the Sampibikira women's football team where Safi used to play, says that part of the challenge was convincing parents to let their daughters play. You know, in the past, there was a serious problem with women's soccer. When you saw a girl playing soccer, it was really strange. Parents had a hard time letting their daughters play soccer, but with time, they understood that it was just one sport like any other. In some places, it's not easy to understand this, but with gender equality in the country, I think the parents got the message. Safi has also provided mentoring in the soccer sphere says Gilor Kandanga, current coach of this Pibikira women's football team. He says her dedication to the game has inspired him. The fact that I am a coach today is thanks to Ms. Safi. She took me as her assistant at DCMP in 2014. She's unique in our region of Hurkatanga as a lady coach, and what she does is wonderful. She makes the region proud. The women's tournament are less developed in the DRC than in other countries, says Eric Bangapila, sport doctor of the Mazembe women's team. He believes that women players have a future here in the DRC. Our wish is to see women's soccer emerge. Like in other countries, we see there are championships that are played in women's soccer. Why not here in the DRC? See how the girls who give all their best playing football like that. Our wish is to help and encourage them even more so that they can emerge and move forward. With the effort of FIFA, women's soccer thrives in the DRC. However, professional soccer leagues are few and far between, and women coaches are struggling to gain acceptance to coach women's soccer teams. Safi is a sign of hope for women who dream big. She wants to break stereotypes and bring the new women's team of Mazembe as far as possible. This team is a first step. Safi dreams of coaching the national team too all part of an effort to break female stereotypes in sport. For RFI's Africa Calling, this is Gabrielle Nina Mitch in Lubumbashi. Stop! Africa Calling, produced by Radio France International. Up next, we turn to the Gambia 
where women are fed up with the high rates of women dying at childbirth or right after they give birth. Late last year, hundreds of Gambian women went on social media to start a Women's Lives Matter movement to protest against high maternal mortality. And it's caused the government and international agencies to take note. Correspondent Sally Jang reports from Banjul on why women are banding together to push for better. Adam Madabo, 36, died December 19 last year at a government hospital. This five days after she gave birth to triplets, the babies are now being taken care of by their aunt, Aminata So, who complains of receiving no support from the government. I was at the hospital when their mother died. Her husband then asked me to take the babies and bring them home because I was living with Adama, their mum, who happens to be my sister-in-law. He told me to take the babies home and take care of them. When their mother died, we had support from people at the beginning, but now that stopped. Some people brought us milk and diapers and cash, but the only people helping us now is Women Lives Matter. Maternal deaths like that of Adama are what triggered the creation of Gambia's Women Lives Matter to start a new wave of advocacy on maternal health issues. Last September, the movement staged a massive protest on the streets of Westfield, Caraba Avenue, calling on government to take stronger measures in reducing maternal deaths. Aisha Saja is a member of the movement who says that they are available to help women 24-7, including finding blood donors. The government does not help the victims' families either, and their group often steps in to support those in financial difficulties. There was a time last year, 2020, in March, we started seeing a lot of women losing their lives in maternal and mortality. So we came up with this idea that why don't we initiate a movement that will be here to advocate against this terrible thing happening in the country, as well demanding the government to come to our needs because we are losing all our young bodies. So looking at most of the cases happening and what the family will explain to you is the negligence of the doctors. We as Gambian Women's Life Matters, we are doing a lot. Because most of the time that they will call us even midnight for us to help them with donors. A week after the Women's Lives Matter protest, the Mothers and Midwife Association held a similar protest but asking for motivation in their work for effective delivery service to reduce maternal debt. Basiru Kamara, a midwife, acknowledged that midwives need to be paid better by the government to attract more people to the position. Those who are already midwives need more training too, he says. So I think the government should try to look at the ways and means of motivating midwives for them to stay so that you, know, um, you can have more skillful midwives in, the, in our community, in our health facilities, and those people are also going to be passing skills to other people. They're going to teach and um, 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 mentor and coach young ones that are coming so you can have a very big skillful midwife in the field there. The tenant of midwife is a very big challenge for um, our country, especially the Minister of Health. Although the rate of maternal mortality from 2013 to 2019 has decreased to 36%, according to a national demographic survey, the many maternal deaths that have been reported on social media in recent months have sparked public anger and put the issue at the top of the political discourse. Dr. Ahmad Lamin Samate, the Minister of Health, says the government is aware of the public's concerns but says his ministry is doing what it can in ensuring that every pregnancy is delivered safely. He told Africa Calling he was not aware that people are blaming the doctors, but said he would look into it. Now there is more visibility, there is the social media, there is the internet, 
if one woman dies, the people post it on the net, and then if unfortunately it happens again, after some time it is posted on the internet and people say, oh, it is on the rise. No, it is an unfair criticism that the Ministry of Health is not doing enough. There are a lot of factors that contribute to high maternal mortality in many countries. But it is also important that we get to know that maternal mortality in the Gambia, even though the life of every woman matters, but I think it is important for us to tell the people that maternal mortality in the Gambia is one of the lowest in Africa. According to the United Nations Children's Fund, Gambia maternal mortality statistics are considered very high for every 10,000 births. 597 women died on average in 2019. Minister Samate says that the government is trying to stem maternal mortality by hosting community outreach programs, especially in rural areas, to create awareness on maternal health issues. The United Nations Population Fund, UNFPA, is one of the major stakeholders in ensuring safe deliveries. According to its country representative, Kunle Adeni, the new wave of social media advocacy has pushed policymakers to respond to the needs of the Gambian people. More women were dying in the Gambia due to maternal issues in 2005, but there was no noise about it. But now, because of the opportunity social media brings to give visibility to issues, and it's not only maternal health, it's to family planning, it's to gender-based violence, a lot of other social issues that we work on. It really brings attention of policymakers. It's holding all of us to account. We're all, uh, it, it's bringing up accountability of government, of systems, of duty bearers like myself and the minister and everybody to say this is what is happening. So I think it puts us on our toes, it puts us on our feet, and also it gives us an opportunity to respond to make Gambians aware and indeed the entire world of what is happening in this area. According to the 2019-2020 preliminary report of the demographic and health survey by the Gambia Bureau of Statistics, for every thousand births in the Gambia, about three women died during pregnancy or within two months of the end of pregnancy. By making Gambians aware of higher maternal deaths through social media, women and activists are demanding better for themselves and for their children. Reported for Africa Calling from Banjul, this is Telejeng. Check us out on Twitter, Africa underscore underscore calling. We're at Africa underscore underscore calling. Staying in West Africa, in Ghana, where women are struggling to enter the political arena. Women are battling to create a space and have their voices heard in politics, but religion, a male-dominated culture, and lack of funding can discourage even the most determined. Ghana correspondent Zubaida Mabuno Ismail speaks to members of the political and religious communities to find out what's behind that glass ceiling. Women in northern Ghana, just like their peers in other parts of the country, face difficulties in entering the political space. The cost of doing politics, the somewhat female-unfriendly environment, and the seemingly high expectations discourage female representation in Ghana's government. Larba Zuwera Abudu, Member of Parliament for the Waliwali constituency of the Northeast region of Ghana is one of 40 females in Ghana's parliament. The new MP is one of the few Muslim women representatives. On the campaign trail in 2020, Abudu says she had to go the extra mile to make sure voters knew what she stood for. I have 162 police stations. Kaima, you are going to visit each police station. There were communities that uh, they would say, but we don't know, we have to see her. So whether rain or shall you have to go there. So you face challenges of even your fellow women 
to agree with you that you can do the job. You know, women like my type, like you, we understand how it is. My husband can convince me not to vote you. But the type of women that we have, those who are not like our class, at least there's still a challenge with that. Marriage is subtly seen as a validation of a woman's worth in society as people have more confidence in a married woman in leadership roles. The mother of three says her husband's unflinching support has contributed to her success in politics. Abudu reveals winning Islamic clerics over in her constituency during her campaign was her topmost priority. In every community when I go, I go to talk to the Imam, especially Fridays, I give some money. Imam, I'm here to seek your support. That means you belong to them. So you have to let them understand that you are not coming to talk much about their women. I think some of them feel that uh, when you come and you are big, you, 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 you try to convince their women not to respect them and all those things. So when you are out there doing the campaign, you go down, you show that mutual respect. A man needs to be polite, but you need twice of it. A man needs to be accommodating, but you need twice of it. Islamic cleric Sheikh Ameh al Shaibu of the Cantonment Police Mosque in Accra speaks to Africa calling about the position of Islam on Muslim women in politics. Imam Shaibu says Islam doesn't frown on its women in politics because it's their source of income, just like others do business. He believes an increased number of Muslim women in politics will serve as an amplifier of the voices of Muslim women. Muslim woman who is a police is a role model to other young, other young Muslim women. Um, she represents, in fact, the rights and the concerns, sentiments and feelings of other Muslim women who probably, because of lack of education, they are unable to get what they are right. And so if she strives to also be part of the law-making system, so therefore, if you have quite a good number of Muslim women in parliament, they will become a body. Um, that offers them the strong voice to bring to the fore issues of the nature of discrimination that is affecting the broad stream of Muslim women in the country. In the 2020 presidential elections, the largest opposition political party, the National Democratic Congress, appointed Professor Nana Jinopoku Ajman as its vice presidential candidate, the first in the history of the country. But women continue to be largely underrepresented in Ghana's politics, says Mame Jechejando, senior lecturer at the Department of Political Sciences at the University of Ghana. At the uh, local level, it's even more abysmal. Um, and so we need to do more. At the executive level, we still have we don't have too many women ministers and deputy ministers. Um, yes, we have some firsts, you know. We've had a, a female speaker of parliament and we've had uh, two female chief justices. But the terrain is still a masculine one. Women, you know, face a patriarchal society where the male is dominant and our culture tends to still see women as the caretakers domestic people who should be uh, in the home, who are primary caregivers and so on. The sharp gender disparity in Ghana's politics is also rooted in economic inequalities. 
Last year, aspiring members of parliament paid a filing fee of 10,000 Ghana cities or 1,700 US dollars to register as a candidate. Here's Jando. Some women lack the confidence uh, to get into politics because uh, politics is seen as a violent kind of, you know, dirty game. It's like this kind of zero-sum uh, struggle for power and many women do not like that. Thirdly, they lack finances, you know. About 70% uh, of people who are poor, they happen to be women. And therefore, there needs to be some specific projects, interventions to help women, more women, become financially uh, stable. Politics has become very expensive, particularly running <laughs> for elections as a primary candidate and then at the national level. Look at the, you know, the large amount that uh, candidates, nominees have to pay for filing fees. Part of the solution is encouraging and mentoring women, including Muslim women, to enter into politics in Ghana. More female voices in the political arena will create a space for women in the top ranks of government here in Ghana. Reporting for RFI's Africa Calling, this is Zubaida Mabono Ismail in Accra. Africa Calling, produced by Radio France International. We've had women in politics, sports women, and health issues that affect women. In each story, these women have been harassed and their needs ignored, but they have pushed forward. It was the same for this next group of women who work in the film industry in Cameroon. But they've taken back the power and are changing the game in the field usually regarded as reserved for men. Girl Boss Productions is an all-female film crew smashing the patriarchy and making a name for themselves in the local film industry. Correspondent Cynthia Nguemo is in Yaoundé to give a look into the Girl Boss world. My name is Tata Pumbiela. I'm a filmmaker as a whole. I'm Vanessa Bimai. And I'm a line producer. Moi, c'est une Camila, makeup artist et sound technician dans Girlboss. Meet Beyala, Camila, and Vanessa. They are three of the 15 members of Girlboss, a film production company based in Yaoundé, Cameroon. Girlboss is changing the game in the local film industry as an all-female company producing music videos, commercials, and short films. Every member of the Girl Boss crew, from the director to script writers, sound technicians, camera persons, video editors, and light technicians are women, all in their 20s. Tatapong Beyala, 28, is the founder and CEO of Girl Boss Production. To her, it is not just about putting women in the spotlight. It's mainly about giving women the chance to shine from behind the camera in a way they have never before. The aim of Girlboss Production is to bring more women in the domain of film production, not just as models or actors as we see them every day, but mostly as the technical crew themselves. So we, we aim at training women, teaching them how to shoot, like the woman herself is the, is the female cinematographer, train women to be directors, line producers, and everything that has to do with the technical part of production. Beyala made the bold step into the technical side of film production after bad experiences working as a model in front of the camera. She found out that others had suffered as well and wanted to change the industry from the ground up. 
Here's Bayala. Myself and the members of the girl boss, we have been models. And we, the experience we had as women, women actors, women vixens, was really, really very diminishing for the women. Scene one, act 11, me Vanessa. Here on set, Bayala also doubles as music video director, script writer, and video editor. After two years, Girl Boss Production takes pride in being the first and probably the only all-female film production team in Cameroon. One of them is Vanessa Bimai. She's the line producer in charge of general supervisions and ensuring smooth pre- and post-production. Vanessa says people are always astonished to see them doing what they do. However, she says they are getting used to it. It's always a surprise to see women working in an industry that for us is still dominated by men. We're getting used to it with time and people are also getting used to seeing us and trusting us. It's difficult, but we're getting there. Here, the team is on set for the production of a TV commercial for a local bank. The ambience is professional and resort-oriented, but also quite relaxed and casual. This works most of the time, except when it comes to exercising a little bit of authority to achieve particular results. This, Vanessa says, is one of her main challenges in running a production company with other women. That's the first difficulty when working with women, especially as we are in a family and friendly environment. You need to command some respect. Everyone needs to understand that here. It's neither a joke nor friendship. I have to do this or that because the final goal is our image. And here, the team is in the streets of Yaoundé doing a two-and-a-half-minute film calling for peace in Cameroon. This is just one of their over 50 projects completed thus far. Despite their outstanding work in the local and African film industry, the all-female team is still regularly underestimated and dubbed unworthy, says Bayala. She thinks being women is simply the reason. Uh, I face a lot of challenges and, 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 and potholes. Firstly, just the fact that I'm a woman. Because just the fact that you're a woman, a lot of people don't trust your work. A lot of people are like, they don't want to trust you with their big money. So Cameroon has this thing, has these girls that are trying to encourage other girls to step up, you see. But we're not even encouraged by our different, our other colleagues. We have work that can compete. We're not, we're hardly ever nominated in in Best Director in, the, in the, the awards. Challenges are not a barrier, but a bridge for them. Girl Boss strives to build their own African film empire and carry even more women along as they break the stereotypes in Cameroon and beyond. Reporting for RFI's Africa Calling, I am Cynthia Nguemo in Yaoundé. Action. Perfect.
Find us on your favorite podcast platform app, including iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We're almost at the end of our program, but we have music maven Allison Hurd in the studio. Hi, Allison. Do you have a fabulous female for us to listen to today? Yeah, hi there, LA. We're going to continue in this all women vein today with women in Cameroon giving men a run for the money.、Uh, now, I'd like you to listen to a Malian singer who's trailblazing in a very, very male-dominated genre,、uh, rap.、Uh, she's called Ami Yeriwolo. She's arguably the country's first female rap artist, but she won't be the last because she's founded a women's rap festival. It's called Le Mali à des rappers. Mali has got female rappers. She wants to make it easier for girls to break through. She had a very hard time of it. She told RFI recently. She received a lot of insults. Rap is still considered to be very much、uh, a game for boys, and even then, it's not particularly valued. So she wants to change all of that. She self-manages. She takes care of all of her own communications, and she's preparing her second album, A A Y. And this song, the song I've chosen, is from that upcoming album. It's called Je Gère. I'm handling it, <laughs> and basically, she's telling people, "Stay out of my business. Leave me to live my own life." She really kicks ass, as you would probably say in the states. And there's a great video for the song "Jujer." Check that out online. Oh, awesome! Thanks for listening to episode 19 of Africa Calling. We'll leave you with Molly's Ami Yerewolo. I'm Laura Angela Benyeto. Happy Women's Day and goodbye for now. <laughs> Te poro, te poro para poro, ya ni mi poro la fana cadama.